the Bible reading now. And we'll be reading from John chapter 3, picking up where we left off last week, starting at verse 16. It should be on the screen behind me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict, light. Has come, light has come into the world, but, love dark, but people love darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptised. Now John also was baptising at Anon near Salem because there was plenty of water and people were coming and being baptised. This was before John was put into prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who is with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptising and everyone is going to him. To this John replied, A person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete. He must become greater. I I must become less. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. Whoever has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the Spirit without limit. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. Thanks, Michaela. Hey, let's pray and then we'll get into this passage. Um, God, thank you so much that we can join together again this morning uh, in this series called Why I Believe. Lord, we pray that you would challenge us in that space that we would know uh, again why we believe or why we should believe or what even belief is. We ask for your help this morning in this. In Jesus' name, amen. In the uh, 1980s, there was a guy that helped make John 3.16 one of the most famous verses in the world. Uh, One of the most famous, most well-known verses in the world. This guy wasn't a, a famous preacher He wasn't a famous missionary. He wasn't even a famous politician. Instead, this guy was known as the Rainbow Man, and here's a picture of him. The Rainbow Man. 
He single-handedly helped, or not single-handedly, but he helped make John 3.16 one of the most well-known verses in the world. And he did this uh, through wearing John 3.16 shirts and holding up John 3.16 signs at the most, the, the most televised NFL games and baseball games. Right? In fact, after a few years, he made it his life's mission to hold up these verses uh, at these games. He sold his house, he began living out of his car, and it was estimated that he traveled around 130,000 kilometers per year just to go to all these sporting games to hold up this sign to wear this shirt. This guy, the Rainbow Man, wanted the world to know what John 3.16 says. He wanted the world to know that God loved the world, that, that he sent Jesus into the world, that whoever believes can have eternal life. He wanted the world to know that eternal life is on offer. All you need to do is to believe. And so he went to John 3.16. Now, John 3.16 is a great verse. It's concise. It's clear. You could argue that maybe it's one of the best verses to capture the story of the Bible. But where John 3.16 lacks is on what it means to believe. Right? So if all we have to do is believe to get to eternal life, what does it actually mean for us to believe? Well, when we ask this question, we'd be tempted to look at this guy, the rainbow man. Right? Maybe he's the model of belief. But before we look at the rainbow man, there's a few things we need to know about him. A few other things, uh, other than just that he held up these signs and wore these shirts. In fact, there's three things we need to know before we look at him as the model of belief. The first one is the rainbow man uh, said that he was actually kind of a shy guy. He didn't like to be the center of attention. So he said for him to be the rainbow man where he wears the shirt and holds the sign, he needed to be stoned. That's what he said, to get, on st- to get on TV, right? He needed to actually get on the drugs and be stoned so that he could do that. That's the first thing we need to know. The second thing we need to know about him is the incident that he had with his fourth wife. It was actually when his fourth wife decided to leave him, and she said about this, it was because he tried to strangle her because she didn't hold up John 3.16 in the right place. He, she, he tried to do that because she wasn't jumping, she wasn't holding it up at the right place in the right time. But then the third thing, and maybe the biggest thing we need to, uh, to know about the Rainbow Man, uh, and the reason we didn't see him in any NRL games this weekend, was because in the early 90s, the signs and the t-shirts gave way to something a little bit more serious, uh, and he started stink bombing places. And so he put these bombs around, including uh, at a church, And then that led to him having an eight-hour standoff with a SWAT team because he had a gun, because he wanted the world to know that it was going to end in 1992. And so it didn't, and he's been in jail ever since. And so, right, when we think about what belief is, let's not look at the rainbow man, but let's ask that question, right? What does it mean for us to believe? If all we need to do to get to eternal life is believe, what does it mean for us to believe, right? What is belief? Is it simply acknowledgement that Jesus exists? Is it trusting him? I mean, what does it actually mean for us to believe? Well, what we're going to do is we're going to answer that question as we look at our Bibles this morning. Uh, And what's interesting, I don't know if this has ever struck you before, but John doesn't finish at verse 316. Uh, It actually goes on. And what we're going to see in the following verses is what belief is. So we pick it up in uh, in chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. 
Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they do, uh, that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. What is belief? Well, what we see in these verses here from 17 to 21 particularly, uh, what John wants to do is actually show us that in some ways it's actually black and white. It's as clear as day, right? What it means to believe, and he also shows us what it means not to believe. Okay, so belief is, we see it in these verses, belief is wholehearted, right? It's all in. Belief is a wholehearted acceptance of Jesus, a wholehearted trust in Him, a wholehearted love for Him that results in action. That's what belief is. Belief is all in, right? Where we love Jesus and we live for Him. But what John wants to show us as well is not just what belief is, but what it isn't. And he shows us that what belief isn't is the opposite. It's wholehearted rejection, right? It says that people loved the darkness so they hated Jesus, right? They hated the light. So, so he shows us what belief is by what it is and what it isn't. It's wholehearted, it's all in, or it's all out. Now, that sounds really straightforward, doesn't it? I mean, that sounds really clear. It's wholehearted, it's all in, or it's all out. But see, when, when we read it, we like to create a third option. An option not given to us in this passage but an option where we kind of look at both things and we think, you know what, I'm actually going to take a bit of both. Right? Well, we want John 3.16, we want eternal life, and we also want what the world has to offer us. We want the good life that the world has to offer us. And so we create a third option. It's not wholehearted either way, it's instead divided, where we have our cake and we eat it. So, uh, you know, we all know that saying, right? Hopefully you can't have your cake and eat it as well. Um, I never understood it. So I googled it this week because if I have my cake, I'm eating it, right? That's how our language works. So uh, I googled it this week and uh, basically what it's saying is, yes, you can have your cake and then you can eat it, but once you eat your cake, it's gone, right? Now, this blew my mind this week that, no, I didn't, because that's how we use that saying, right? Like that's, you can't have your cake and eat it too. We say it to get at that idea that, you know, you can't always be divided. You can't have everything. You can have one thing or the other. Right, that's kind of what the saying's getting at. Now, just because we know that doesn't mean we like it, right? And so I think we actually come up with a better saying, right? A newer proverb that we hold on to. And this is the proverb that was given to us in that old El Paso ad. So you know the one where they're sitting around the table and they're trying to figure out whether they want soft tacos or hard tacos? Now, for the record, that's not a difficult decision, right? Because you take soft tacos, you don't take hard tacos. But they're sitting around the table and they're asking the question, which one should we take? I don't know. And then we get the girl, right? You remember the picture? Here it is. And she says, why don't we have both? And everyone celebrates and it's this great moment and it sticks with us and it's amazing. And this has turned into a meme online, which now means that it's in our culture, right? This is a proverb we live by. Why don't we have both? Right now, this is how we live, right? I can have my cake and I can eat it and I can get more cake, right? I can have soft tacos and I had, can have hard tacos. I can have whatever I want. We can actually have both. 
Now the issue is, this seeps into our thinking when we come to thinking about God and particularly about belief. And so when we look at what God offers us, right, and what belief is, that it's wholehearted, it's all in or it's all out, we look at those options and we think, why don't I have both? So I'm going to have John 3.16, for God so loved the world. I mean, it's amazing, right? Whoever believes in him can have eternal life. But I'm also going to have the world. So I don't like 17 to 21 that much, right? The fact that if I love works of evil, I hate Jesus, right? And if I love Jesus, I hate the works of evil. No, we look at that and we go, I just want both. I want eternal life. I want heaven, right? Who doesn't want that? No sickness, no suffering, no death. I want that. But I also want the world. I want security. I want comfort. I want joy. I want the security of relationships or the fun in relationships. I want the friendships. I want what the world offers us. I want comfort. I want those things. We create this third option. We go, why don't we have both? But the problem is, in John 3, 17 to 21, is that option is not actually given to us. Even if we want it, what we see belief is, isn't divided. It's not where we have a foot in both camps. Belief is wholehearted. It's all in. It's either all in, I accept Jesus, I love Jesus, I trust Jesus, and that flows into my life, or it's I'm all out. I reject him. I hate him. Those are the two options that we have. So, so we see, right, that's what belief is. It's all in. It's wholehearted. It's this wholehearted acceptance, trust, love for Jesus that results in action. And so the reason this is helpful is for us to actually think about, right, if that's what belief is, and if we say this morning that we believe, then the question for us is, right, if I say I believe, am I living in this way? Right? Am I living wholeheartedly for Jesus? Am I living in such a way that's all in? Right? Or am I living in a way that, you know what, there's kind of pockets that are for Jesus and there's pockets of my life that are for me? Right? Where we kind of go, this is my area of life and this is God's area of life and those two things don't overlap. Or maybe it's just in small ways where we go, yeah, I know what God says, but I actually just want this more. And so it's actually worth asking the question, right? Have we held back parts of our lives that we're unwilling to surrender to Jesus? Is, there, is it our time? Is it our money? Is it our stuff? Is it, our, is it friendships that we have? Is it the relationship that we have? Is there pockets of our life where we're actually unwilling to surrender that to Jesus? Unwilling to go all in? What John wants to show us is that belief is all in. It's wholehearted. It's not divided. It's not a foot in both camps. It's wholehearted acceptance of trust in love for Jesus that results in action. So, if this is what belief is, what does belief look like? What does it look like on the ground for someone to go all in? Well, this is why John points us to another John, John the Baptist, and we see what it looks like to go all in, and we see it from verse 22. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now, John also was baptizing at Anon near Salim because there, were plen- there was plenty of water. Uh, and people were coming and being baptized. This was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some, some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. 
Okay, so, so what does it look like? Belief is all in. It's wholehearted, acceptance of, trust in, love for Jesus. What does this look like? Well, we get pointed to John the Baptist. Now, to feel this, right, what's going on here, we've got to understand the weight of what's happening here. So John the Baptist, we met a few weeks ago in chapter 1. Uh, he's a different John to wrote that uh, wrote the book of John that we're reading. Same first name, different last name. And John the Baptist is a guy that baptizes, right? That's where he got his last name from. He baptizes, he teaches, people come around to kind of, you know, see him baptize. They come and, you know, that's great. Now, if you're one of John's disciples, it's a big deal. Okay, because you've got John as your kind of leader, you're his disciple, you follow him. And if you're one of his disciples, you're a pretty big fanboy or fangirl, right? You, you love him, he's great, you follow him around, you know, you, wherever he goes, you follow him. Uh, you watch him baptize, it's awesome. In fact, we even see you, you get into arguments, Right, with other people, defending your leader, defending the guy you follow. Um, you, know, you, you watch him teach, you're amazed by him. And then you even get defensive when you hear that someone else is baptizing. Right? Like that's what we see there. I mean, that's what it feels like from the disciples. They're like, hey, John, there's another guy baptizing. Now, um, if I'm one of his disciples, and, and maybe if you are as well, I'm starting to pull John aside and say, look, Someone else is baptizing. You know, someone else down the road is baptizing. Maybe you should think about branching out into another area of ministry, right? Like if we want to keep getting followers, don't just keep going the Baptist line, right? Maybe we can start thinking about other things. You know what? There's lots of Jewish people around. Maybe you could get into circumcisions, right? I, I don't know. Just another area of ministry. Yes, there's pros and cons to that, but, but maybe we can get more followers if we do that. You know, I, I'm mentioning to him, let's think about it. What worked in the past doesn't always work in the future, right? That's kind of what I'm saying to John, getting defensive for him. And then we get John, right? Here he is. Now again, feel this for John. His name is John the Baptist. He baptizes for a job. He's kind of backed himself into a corner here, right? Like if baptizing people doesn't work out for him, he doesn't really have any other options. Those skills don't transfer over into another area of life. Car washing doesn't exist then, right? He, he, he can't really just lose his job and then do something else. I can relate to this. Um, so I studied like four years at Bible college. Sort of, it's getting on to five now. And I know that if for whatever reason ministry doesn't work out for me, those skills don't really transfer over. Like no engineering company is going to go, cool, you study the Bible, have a job. Right? They just, I'm stuck in ministry. This is kind of John the Baptist, right? Like he's, he's got baptizing skills. That's amazing. This is his job. He's got followers. He's got disciples. He's got glory. This is where John's at. And so when his disciples come to him and say, look, there's another baptizer. There's another guy baptizing people. What are we expecting from John? Right? Are we expecting anything like what I said? Right? Is he going to teach harder, work more, baptize more, branch out into other ministries? Well, if that's what we're expecting, what we see is surprising and powerful because what we see is his reply in verse 27. He said, A person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said I am not the Messiah, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. 
that joy is mine and is now complete. He must become greater and I must become less. How does John reply here? Right hearing that there is another guy baptizing? He says, awesome. Right? That's, that's amazing that there's another guy baptizing and that that's Jesus. Right? He says, he must become more and I must become less. He must increase and I must decrease. He must become more and I must become less. Now, this is powerful from John. Right? Like, this is powerful. He, he gets that he's not the point. He gets that he's not the main guy. And even if this means he's going to lose followers, he says, that's fine, right? Because Jesus is the main guy. Jesus is the point. He must become greater. I must become less. Now, this is the definition of what magnification is, right? Often, sometimes at church, we talk about this word, magnification. This is what it means. Jesus becomes greater. I become less. John is magnifying Jesus here by saying, Jesus, he's the point. I'm not the point. He must become more. I must become less. Now, the question is, how could John do this? Right? How could someone actually just go, okay, cool. I'll tap out. He can tap in. Well, John uses an illustration, and he points us to a wedding. Right? And basically, the words that he uses there is like a best man at a wedding. So if you've been to a wedding recently, it might be fresh in your mind. Uh, a few years ago, uh, I was, uh, had the privilege of being the best man for my brother. And uh, when you're standing there, so you stand uh, on stage with the, the groom, right? Now, we've got that picture in our head. Now, when I was the best man for my brother, uh, I knew that day wasn't about me, right? It wasn't my special day in that moment. And it was his special day, and I was the support crew, right, for him. And so uh, as he was getting married um, and uh, Rachel, his wife, began to walk down the aisle, my joy wasn't there because I could go and collect Rachel and we'd get married. Like, that's a weird picture anyway. But that's not where my joy was found. Nor was I standing there angry because it wasn't about me. Right? I wasn't angry because it wasn't my special day. No, I was standing next to him, and in that moment, I knew I wasn't the main guy, and my joy came from knowing that he had his day, that it was his special day, that he was the main person there. And this is what John essentially says of Jesus, right? He says, I am eternally the groomsman. I'm, et- I'm eternally the bridesmaid. I'm eternally not the main person. Jesus is the main person, right? Jesus is the big deal. And he says, you guys know this anyway, Right? I testified about this. The invitation said it wasn't about me. Right? The invitation said Jesus is the main guy. Because in chapter 1, right, he said this. He said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He pointed to Jesus right, and said, look, here is the Savior. John gets that he's not the main guy. He gets that. He points to Jesus and says, no, this is about him. He must increase. I must decrease. He must become more, I must become less. And so there's a new baptizer in town. John is a former Baptist because here he taps out and Jesus taps in. Now, what's fascinating is with John's words here, right? He must increase, I must decrease. What's fascinating is this is pretty much the last we hear of John, right? So like John is a big deal, followers, he's got disciples, he baptizes, he's got, a, he's got people gathering around him, and yet here in this moment, this is pretty much the last we hear of John. In fact, we do hear once more of him, and it's that he's died. So John is not just saying these words, right, kind of hypothetically, 
right? He gets that he's not the point, and he literally goes out pointing to Jesus. Right? What a way to go out, pointing to Jesus. John goes out pointing to Jesus. He says, he must increase, I must decrease, and John decreases. He moves out of the picture. He points to Jesus and says, Jesus is the main guy. And what we see in this moment is what it means to be all in. What it means to be wholeheartedly in for Jesus. It's where we say actively in our lives, Jesus increases, I decrease. Now, the reason this is so helpful is because when we think about our lives practically, every decision that we make when it's tracked back comes to this question, am I doing this for Jesus or am I doing this for me? Right, everything that we do. So uh, often at Southside here, we talk about the kind of three categories of life that is helpful. It doesn't cover everything, but it's helpful with our time, our treasures, and our talents. Ryan sort of alluded to it before. But when we, when we think about these things, right, we can actually ask the question of ourselves, how are my actions going? Am I living my life for Jesus, for Jesus to increase, or for me? So with our time, do I spend my time in such a way that points to the fact that I want Jesus to increase? Or do I spend my time in a way that says, actually, this is all about me? Do I spend my time in a way that says, this is all about him? My free time, do I make time in such a way that points to Jesus increasing? Or do I spend my time in a way that says, no, actually, it's about me increasing? When we think about our treasures, our money, do we spend our money in such a way that says, I want Jesus to increase or I want me to increase? Do we spend our money in such a way that says, I want Jesus' kingdom, right? I want him to be known everywhere, the people everywhere, and so I'm going to spend my money towards that goal. Or do we spend our money in such a way that says, no, I want my kingdom to grow? What about our talents, our gifts, our skills, our abilities? Do we use what we're good at in such a way that points to Jesus increasing or me? Right? You see why this is so helpful here? John is showing us what it means to go all in. Right? It means that at the end of the day, we can go, you know what? Today was for Jesus. Today I lived in such a way where Jesus increased and I decreased. We magnify God in such a way. And so what John does here in this passage, right, he shows us what belief is, and then he shows us what it looks like. But as we finish this passage, what we see is that John isn't just leaving this as an intellectual exercise. No, as we get to the end of this passage, John turns it to us, and he doesn't just ask us, will you know what belief is? He asks us, will you believe? And we see this from verse 31. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. Whoever has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the Spirit without limit. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. Now hear the plea from John. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. John finishes this passage with a plea to us. It's no longer a hypothetical thing. This isn't an intellectual exercise. This is a genuine plea to me and to you. Will you believe in the Son? Will you believe in Jesus? Will you come to Him and go all in? Right now, what we see in these verses here from 31 to 35, it's pretty much a recap 
of what we've seen in John, right? That Jesus is from above. Remember, we saw this as, as John began, that Jesus is God and he's from God and he's come. He's the light who has come into the world to save the world, right? That's the 31 to 35. And then we get that plea there at the end. Whoever believes has eternal life. Whoever doesn't, the wrath of God is still on them. And so here we see in this verse the plea. Come to Jesus. Believe in Jesus. See what's on the line and come to him and come to him where you go, I'm all in. Because if we do, if we believe, if we're all in, then eternal life is there for us. But if we reject him, then the wrath of God is still on us. Now, uh, before Dan in his prayer mentioned the life course, uh, the life course here at Southside is a course where we uh, basically ask the question, what is the good life and what does God have to do with the good life? And it's a six-week course, and on Tuesday night we had week three of our course. Now, on Tuesday night, uh, we talked about how this idea, uh, when it comes to God, we often think of God like a vending machine. So we, we use God, right? The John 3.16 vending machine picture of God is where we come in, right, and we put in the code 3.16 and we get out eternal life, right? We use God like a vending machine. But we talked about the life course, how God is not a vending machine. He's relational, right? And we, we actually see this in, chap, in uh, chapter 3, verse 16, in the fact that God loved the world, right? It wasn't his duty. He loved the world. God is relational, Right? We see that uh, throughout the Bible. But we talked about uh, on Tuesday night how when we ignore God, when we ignore Him, it's offensive to God. Right? Sin is offensive to God. So we looked at this word sin, and we looked at how primarily it's not just the good things we don't do, um, and it's not just the bad things we do. It is those things, but primarily the, under, the thing that goes under that is our ignorance of God, where we ignore God. So we use this illustration uh, of uh, me and my wife, Elizabeth. So we've been married now four and a half years, and this weekend Elizabeth's been in Sydney uh, for four days. She gets back around now. Uh, so after church, let's, uh, if I go from after church uh, and I go to the shops and I get Elizabeth flowers, right, her favourite flowers are hydrangeas, if you, know, you, know, you ever need to know that, uh, you know, just... <laughs> More brownie points for me. So if I tell church, right, what her favorite flowers are, and then I go and get them, uh, and then I, I, I get those flowers and I bring them home. And then when I'm at home, I clean the dishes that have been building up over the last four days, and then uh, vacuum the house, clean her car, you know, make the bed, right? <laughs> Who'd do that? But let's, I make the bed, I put Netflix on, her show on Netflix on, I, you know, the, the message I'm sending with that is I'm not going to watch the footy this afternoon. You can, you can have the TV. And then uh, Elizabeth gets home, right? And, and as she comes home, now, if you look at what I've done there, right, that sounds great, doesn't it? Right? It sounds like I'm the best husband in the world. But when Elizabeth comes home, I, I don't talk to her. So uh, I, don't, I don't ask her how her trip was. I ignore her. And then after a little bit, I go and make dinner. And I make her her favorite dish, which used to be lasagna. Now she's a vegetarian, and only God knows what she actually likes now. But I'm, I make that thing. And uh, I make her the dish, and I, I give that to her, and then I clean up after dinner, and I ignore her and go to bed. And then this happens again tomorrow. Right? I don't talk to her. And then it happens again Wednesday and again for the rest of the week. Now, if you look into that, 
right? Despite me doing the right stuff, we all would actually say that in that moment, I'm being a terrible husband, right? In that moment, I'm actually being a terrible husband, and that's offensive to her. And yet, this is what we do with God, right? We use God like a vending machine. We come to Him when we want stuff, and then when we get bad stuff or we don't get the good stuff, we blame Him for it and we ignore Him. But if this is what sin is, which it is, it's offensive to God. And so God, being perfectly just and perfectly good, must punish what's offensive. And so what we see is the wrath of God is on us. But Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn it. He came to save it. And so what we find in Jesus is the King, the Savior, who went to the cross to stand in our place, to take the wrath of God on His shoulders so that whoever believes in Him can have eternal life. The wrath of God is no longer on us when we believe. Right? And this is what John is getting at in verse 36. Come to Him. Right? Believe in Jesus because anyone who believes in Him has eternal life. But whoever rejects Him. The wrath of God stays on us. And so what we see then as we finish this passage is God's invitation to us this morning. God's invitation to come to Jesus wholeheartedly, not where we stay divided with a foot in both camps, wholeheartedly to Him, where we trust Him with all that we've got, where we accept Him, where we trust Him, where we love Him, and that results in action where we say in our lives, Jesus, you increase and I decrease. And so since this is God's invitation for us this morning, the reality is, and this is going to mean a few different things for some of us here. Today, there's some of us here who maybe have never put our trust in Jesus. We've never believed in Jesus before. We've been wrestling with this. Maybe we've been asking questions. And so today, we're actually thinking about this stuff. Or maybe today, if that's you, maybe today you're also in this space where as you see what belief is, maybe you actually recognize that you've never actually believed. That all you've ever done is this belief where you've had a foot in both camps. And today the challenge is for us, or the invitation is for us, come to Jesus. Believe in Jesus. He's there with open arms and he is inviting you to come in. He's inviting you to believe, to go all in. And if, you, if this is you here this morning, take this chance. Don't leave today with this hanging. Take this chance and talk to the people you came with because we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to celebrate with you. We'd love to help you figure out what it means to be all in for the rest of your journey uh, trusting in Jesus. For some of us, though, we're here today and we're not sure about this stuff. We're asking questions. We don't know. If that's you, awesome. We love having you here. And that's, uh, we'd love to invite you to the life course. Now, the life course is three weeks in. It's too late to come this time. But we'd love to invite you to the next one. It's not going to be that far away. Uh, it's going to happen pretty soon, actually. So just head to the info desk after, and we'd love to connect you into that. Come to the life course. Right, where well, we ask the question, what's the good life? What does God have to do with it? And we can answer some of your questions. We can help clear up uh, some things that you're wrestling with. Or finally... For us, maybe we're here today and we actually say, you know what, I am all in. I do trust Jesus. I do believe him. I see what's on the line and I'm all in. And I want to live a life where Jesus increases and I decrease. But maybe today we recognize that as we live in this world, we have a tendency to give ourselves over to this world. We have a tendency to look at the pockets of our lives and go, you know what, I'm going to claim that. I'm not going to surrender that. I'm going to claim that. And so if that's us here this morning, 
If we're all in and we recognize there's parts of our life where we have held on to or we haven't given over to Jesus, this morning the challenge for us is to come back to him. Or as John says, come to the light. Repent to him. Run to him. And as we run to him, let's give up those things that we've been holding on to and let's come wholeheartedly as we accept him, as we trust him, as we love him. Let's let that result in our lives where we say, Jesus, you increase and I decrease. Now, this morning, we've got a chance to do this. In fact, in a moment, we've got a chance to respond in this way to God's word as we sing the song called The Passion. Now, in this song, we literally, it's the, it's the message we've been talking about this morning, right? That we actually see God's love in what Jesus has done. But in the bridge of The Passion, there's this line where he says, where we sing, I give my whole life to honor this love. Now, this morning, the challenge is, the encouragement is, don't feel like you have to sing that line, right? Don't... Don't lie this morning as we sing that line. Don't just sing it because everyone else around you is singing it. If you can't say that with your whole heart, that I give my whole life, man, we're not going to judge you. We're not looking around to see who's singing and who's not. right? That's not what happens here. So just feel free not to sing it. But if you want to sing it, and if you're going to sing it, then let's make sure that it's coming from the depths of our heart where we sing this with all that we have, where we are being truthful, not just to ourselves, but to the people around us, where we sing boldly, I give my whole life, and we are declaring it publicly. We are asking the people around us, hold me accountable to this. And we are singing this in the hope and the prayer that as we move into our lives, that God will take all that we have as we go in, all in for him. Let's pray and then let's sing this song. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus, that he came into the world so that the wrath of God didn't need to stay on us. Lord, help us to be a people who are all in for this. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.